What's up, everyone? We're back for a new week of Locked On Bucks, and it really feels like the NBA season is upon us now. Once media day comes and you get to hear from the players for the first time, they're wearing their uniforms, they have to get about a million photos taken of themselves. That's when it feels like the NBA season has arrived. Justin was there, so we're going to speak about what Giannis had to say. Joe Ingles, first time as a buck. Chris Middleton was there. Mike Brunholzer was scooting around. What's going on with the health of this team? We're going to discuss it all. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my other stuff over at ESPN alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. And as I said, you were there at Media Day, and this is typically the time when all basketball fans start to get pretty excited with, with games right around the corner. We've got preseason in a week or so. So we thank everyone for uh, either listening with us throughout the entire offseason or jumping back on board now. Um, we can all start to get pretty fired up about the NBA season. And I, I'm just pretty fired up in general because if people don't know, I, I was uh, my my team, Geelong, won the championship the other day. I'm still an emotional wreck. So if Justin says something that you know upsets me, I could start crying in front of everyone. I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, I'm still in a hotel room. And I realize it looks like my bed's not really made there, but it's partially made. <laughs> Partially made, so that's that's the main thing. So don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, I'm in a makeshift studio uh, once again. But as I mentioned, media day is an exciting time. I always like going to media days in years gone past because you get a chance to typically from new players hear from them for the first time. The Bucks didn't have too many of those, but you also get to hear from someone like Giannis. So I guess we can start there, Justin. Was there anything in particular that Giannis said that caught your attention? He definitely had the quote that's gone viral about Steph Curry being the best player in the NBA. I thought it was interesting that Giannis said that last year he felt like he was the best player because I personally never remember Giannis saying that he's the best. It was always LeBron. It was always someone else. It's just not really in his makeup to make the claim that he's the best player in the world. He's always chasing something. Uh, But he was happy to hand it to Steph today, which seems fair. Um, yeah, and it was like, um, you could tell he didn't really want to divulge that because he was asked about, uh, what's your reaction to, to, you know, another year or another off season hearing more and more people say this is the best player in the league or the world. Yeah. And uh, the way he started too is, do you want my honest answer? Which absolutely. And then he, you could see he was kind of measuring himself and, um, that's, that's the furthest we've heard him go of basically patting himself on the back. But he did it with the caveat of, look, I I feel like the best player in the the game is the best player on the team that wins the championship. So, yeah, I felt like that was me after we won, and now it's Steph Curry. But it was vintage Giannis where he didn't start with a dad joke, but he started by saying he's in a great mood because they're opening a Chick-fil-A by his house. (laughs) Um, And I I thought, you know, every year we get these – these things from Giannis that are not really basketball related where 
he talked about the ego and pride in the finals run that I think really resonated with a lot of people. He talked at length about Eurobasket and what it meant to really be a part of that. And as he said, you know, seeing what, what Greece did in that tournament, it was the first time I really saw people engaged across Greece for the national team. And it, it felt like we gave the people hope and they were cheering for the flag. And that's something that I had never seen in, you know, my time in Greece and, and with the basketball program. Um, and I, I thought the other thing that he said that was interesting was he feels like Eurobasket makes him better. And whenever he plays internationally, he feels kind of an uptick in his game that following year at the NBA level, just because as he said, he thinks it's more physical in European play and they cut down on a lot of your spacing. So he has to figure out different ways to attack. And he feels like that makes him better earlier in the season. But the other thing that I, I think along the lines of the, the ego and pride uh, comment that he made during the finals or the run to it, that I think a lot of people will take from it when they see the video and, and hear him say it was talking about uh, the league. And, and the question was, it came up when asked about the Abu Dhabi games and he was talking about international travel and the opportunities that you get at the NBA level and, and said, look, I'm a kid that came from nothing. And even still, I feel like the NBA spoiled me a little bit that when you go overseas it's just not the same. And, you know, going to Abu Dhabi, spending the summer in Greece as well, I'm obviously viewed differently there, but it's it's not like you're this megastar. As he put it, I check my own bags. I have to check into hotels. It's a lot different. It's not the same type of luxurious travel where it takes a toll on you there. It doesn't here. So we're really beyond blessed to, to not only be at the NBA level, but a lot of us in this country are blessed compared to what it's like elsewhere. And, and that was one of the more poignant things that he had to say. I tell you what, it, when Giannis gets to the point, because, you know, there's there's a lot going on with travel at the moment, and, and I've been dealing with it the last few weeks. So when Giannis arrives at a destination and his bag is not on the plane, <laughs> that's when we'll know. That's when, that's when we'll know he's one of us. But no, I, I did think the great stuff was interesting and talking about the passion. I, I don't know what it's been like in previous seasons with the Greek national team, and even back to the 2019 World Cup, but certainly just through doing this podcast. Uh, yeah, passion is a good word that I would associate uh, with this. What about the health stuff? So we can go through all this individually. Uh, let's start with Mike Budenholzer. Uh, he's scooting around. So he's had some serious ankle work done uh, over the offseason. And by the way, you know, Bud never really looks like he was walking around pain-free. And if you've spend any time around guys that have been pros for a long time that all their bodies are broken. Is Mike Budenholzer going to be scooting around on the sideline on opening night? What is happening? Uh, did you know about this before media day? Because I felt like I was totally blindsided when you all of a sudden, when Bud and John Horst talked, we had to move to a different room and you were like, why, why are we moving to different rooms? And then all of a sudden you see a scooter and we see Bud and John Horst sitting there and uh, Bud divulging that, he had his ankle replaced, so he's scooting around for the time being. Sounds like he's going to be on that scooter for the Abu Dhabi games, although he said a little ambiguous on what the setup there is going to be and, and what the setup would be like in general on the sidelines for me to scoot around if need be. But a lot of attention paid to Chris and some of the other guys for uh, for their lumps and injuries in the offseason. But Mike Budenholzer might be the biggest one. Well, I remember someone on Twitter 
if I remember, if I didn't dream this, it would be quite weird if I dreamt this. But I think someone on Twitter put a photo up, and he was scooting around the state fair or something like that. Which, I mean, that's a man of the people right there. That's a man <laughs> that that Wisconsin has become home. He's scooting around, incredibly recognizable, and he's like, "Screw it, we're still going to the state fair." I think it was, it might have been Summerfest. Who knows? Something like that. But you know, it will be interesting because I would I would honestly suspect that he's not going to be scooting up and down. But if he's still got some issues with mobility, uh, we might see. Uh, Charles Lee running up and down the sidelines to start the season and Bud might just be sitting down and just yelling instructions. Who knows? It'd be interesting, but that was, it was certainly noteworthy from Bud. Anything that he said in particular uh, that caught your attention? There was a few quotes that, that I thought were fascinating. Um, yeah. So if, if I don't mention what you think was fascinating, then feel free to jump in. But I thought the most interesting was, was basically, I mean, a, the, the big takeaway was everybody talked and especially Bud and John and, and the guys that have been here for a couple of years about this team bringing back everybody and how unique that is. And as, as Bud said, 16 guys that were a part of the team last year that are going to be in camp to start the year. That's the most he's ever had on a team in his 30 year career. So he talked about that. Everybody like Drew and Giannis and, and Chris addressed that as well. But um, to me, the interesting part was uh, he talked about Grayson Allen and how he thought overall Grayson Allen was terrific for the team last year and said, you know, basically not sugarcoating it. Yeah, Grayson was disappointed in the way that the series went against the Celtics. He knows he could have been better. We know there's things we could have done to put him in a better spot. So it wasn't dancing around that, but said what, you know, you and I and, and, Frank and others have talked about on this show and, and elsewhere that series looks a lot different if Chris Middleton's playing and especially Grayson Allen. So Bud was very quick to point out, look, it's, it's not just Grayson was unplayable and he was bad in that Celtic series. It was a great defense. It really hurt him not having Chris Middleton on the floor. And, you know, he and I have talked about some of the things that he can do differently and that he's worked on in this off season. So didn't hide from the struggles that Grayson Allen had, but was very quick to defend him and say, we both know that that's, you know, an area of growth and an area where he can get better. And, and we fully believe in him and we think he will. And we're excited for what he's going to do this year. Yeah. That was really the main one that I wanted to get to from Bud as well, because as I've, and we've discussed it on this show, I just think if you acquire Grayson Allen and you, in your idea, you try and work through what is the ideal role in this team it certainly wouldn't have been what he was expected to do against Boston. So, yeah, does he play better against Boston if, if Middles was playing? I'm not so sure, but the role would have been different. So I think that's why there should be reason for optimism. And I know that he's been in a lot of potential trade discussions, which, again, I think is more to do with the fact the Bucks don't really have too many you know, players that you think that they're going to trade. And then Grayson Allen has a decent salary, which is able to at least get you close to some of the guys that people are interested in. But yeah, I, I'm optimistic about Grayson Allen. And if you're asking me, who is a guy that has real scope for improvement, I think it's him second year in the system as well. I want to keep moving because there is a lot of people to talk about uh, on this podcast here, and we can continue to do it through the week, but want to hit the main points uh, here today. So Chris Milton injury update next, and then we'll talk about Joe Ingles first appearance as well and also George Hill with some some injury updates that was always a bit of a mystery injury you'll be shocked to know that there was an injury uh, mystery on the Bucks but we'll talk about Chris Milton George Hill and Joe Ingles coming up next after 
We discussed Bet Online, which is the number one source for football betting info this season. I flicked down to the Packers game this morning and it was nervous towards the end, but they were able to hang on. So if you're interested in uh, the Packers, then you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in depth articles and analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. They've also got NBA futures, and I think. Uh, we discussed, or maybe Frank discussed on the last podcast that I wasn't there about the Celtics and what their futures may look like now with uh, Justin. We discussed uh, Rob Williams. We didn't at that point think that they were going to have a new head coach, new coach. for the upcoming season, but uh, that's 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 uh, that happened pretty quickly there. But anyway, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, quickly with Chris Milton. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it because I think it's been expected that he was potentially going to miss the start of the season. This wrist surgery came a little bit later than expected. I thought it was curious to say that he was really dealing with it all year. Back, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, and this is something we mentioned a few times on the pod, and it was kind of one of those things that because he never really missed a lot of games, that he didn't worry it worry about it too much but he was certainly shaking off that wrist a lot yeah <laughs> a lot a lot is yeah. a good way to describe it so chris <laughs> milton likely to miss the start of the season uh, i think you said the cast came off in recent weeks uh any any further info of note with chris milton um yeah not really at least surprising news that i think we were all kind of anticipating he wasn't going to to start the season with the team um he surprised uh, timeline for his return just that he hopes it's not a lot of time um but did basically say it, it's not going to be the first week or two that it, it's it's going to be a little bit um so he was he he said he was hopeful it wasn't going to be a lot of time that he missed but uh yeah it was about half the season i think he said it was around the all-star break that this first occurred and it was something that he said he wasn't in pain. It was just something that was there that he knew would have to be addressed in the off season. So that's why he never appeared on an injury report or, or fought through it for that uh, second half of the season. The only thing he, he really addressed with it was just that it kind of ruined his summer that, uh, you know, the cast meant couldn't play golf, couldn't really go to the beach and couldn't really work on some of the things that uh, that he wanted to get uh, working on early in the offseason. Well, everyone's sitting back now and saying, well, that's fine to say that at this point. But we all saw you playing pickleball, Chris, back in, I guess that may have been May or early June, whatever yeah. it was, pre-surgery. So uh, anyway, look, again, we've discussed the, the start of the season at length. You know, if he misses the first month, it's not ideal for sure. Um, but I also don't think missing a month of basketball is going to be the worst thing for Chris Milton at this point in his career and all the basketball he's played in recent years. Uh, Joe Ingles was interesting, so it's always fun to see new players uh, for the first time in uniform. And segment two is really the injury segment uh, here on Lockdown Bucks today. So naturally, there was lots of questions about his potential timeline of when he can get back on the floor. He was pretty open about it and said, you know, it's six to nine months. I don't really know when I'm going to go back. Uh, yeah, we mentioned it on this show when he was in Australia and we were covering the national team. He mentioned, you know, mid-December as a potential time frame for return. 
that would have him at around 10 months-ish. And, you know, if you go for the six to nine months timetable, then you say that's conservative. But I, I've i got a bit of history with ACLs. Now, I'm not looked after by a professional sports team, but I think it's more nine to 12, particularly with a player uh, with the experience, shall we say, of, of Joe Ingles. So, you know, I still think that this is going to be a new year um, return for Joe. But I thought it was fascinating how much he spoke about just the straight up challenges the injury presented him with rehab and motivation and then being traded and all these types of things. It's been a a big period for him. Uh, Very candid with a lot of stuff was, was Joe Ingles that you can already tell that this is a guy that uh, for those that, and you obviously know him uh, a lot more than anybody here, but uh, you can already tell like, yeah, this is going to be a guy that you go to a lot for quotes that he is great here. And he fits in perfectly that um, I forget who it was that asked him about the timeline and said, you know, do you have a timeline for your return? And his response was, wouldn't you love to know? And, and kind of left it at that. But then he did give the, well, here's when the surgery occurred. Here's when it usually happens. Um, Bud and John Horse did seem to kind of indicate January when they spoke for him. Uh, and, and he said it's a week by week thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks. It's just we'll reevaluate by then. So I think none of that is contradicting to what we all assume, similar to Chris Middleton, that it's it's going to be like a January thing for Joe to come back. Um, similar to Chris Middleton and that we assumed he wouldn't start the season, not that it'll be out until January. But it was interesting, too, to hear him. Um, one, just talk about the role that his family played in choosing Milwaukee and um, schools and finding a school for his child, really important. And that was the reason why he didn't join the Blazers last year and not picking up and moving his family, that he would go on some trips and, and visit them, but they stayed in Utah. And um, also the role that Quinn Snyder played in him hmm. coming to Milwaukee, that uh, obviously, we've talked about before Quinn's relationship with Bud. And as, as Joe said, you know, he and his wife are very close to Quinn Snyder uh, through their years there as his coach and just getting to know him personally. So uh, he said during free agency, it was basically every morning he would have a phone call with Quinn and they would talk about things and he would ask him questions about Bud. And not only that, but everything else, he, he mentioned a couple of times that, you know, Throughout the whole process, it just felt like it kept coming back to Milwaukee as, yeah, this is a place that kind of makes the most sense. And speaking with Quinn Snyder, it just kind of reiterated all that and drove it home that he needed, obviously, his family and the schooling for his child was very important. He wanted a place where he really trusted the medical staff and he knew he was going to have to rehab and work on that knee. And as he said, a guy my age trying to win a title. So a team that was going to be competitive and a chance to win a championship was very important as well. And and this team just kind of checked all those boxes. Uh, one other thing that was really fascinating is the number discussion. Everyone loves numbers. <laughs> so Joe Ingles is going to wear number seven. Uh, this is a number that he's wore previously. Uh, I, it was retired in Utah, right? Is that? Yeah. So, retired in Utah. He took two. I forget who it was that he referenced, but one of his friends wore number two. So that's why he took two of the Jazz. And of course, two is retired in Milwaukee. Hmm. So yeah, as he he opened up the negotiations with Grayson Allen and basically said Grayson Allen is the opposite of everything you were led to believe when he was at Duke, that yeah, Grayson's the nicest guy ever. That he said he texted him 
jokingly of the only reason I came to Milwaukee was to take number seven from you. And Grayson's response was basically, I don't, I don't care if you want it, you can have it. That's pretty nice. You know, I always find it so weird. And I and also, I understand people get attached to numbers and there's reasons for it and maybe there's some history there. But I always find it so weird when you see players giving up just an absolutely insane amount of money for a number, you know? Well, and, like, and Joe was quick to point out, there will be no money yeah, exchange, yeah. but I'll, I'll get him a gift or something, but I'm not paying him for the jersey number. Maybe some wine or something. I don't know if Joe Ingalls is a wine drinker. I think he might be a wine drinker. He's definitely a coffee drinker. Maybe some really high-quality coffee beans. Who knows? But he'll sort out Grayson Allen there, which is which is super nice. And uh, you spoke about the role that Quinn Snyder played, but also I think the role of what he can fit in his team. There was pick-and-roll talk today uh, in in the media day as well. So we can get to that more throughout the week. George Hill, yeah. if you look at players on this Bucks roster so you know they won the title but George Hill wasn't there we've spoken about Wesley Matthews he wasn't there almost sounded like a revenge tour coming for George Hill I thought again you talk about someone that was pretty open and honest George Hill said that he felt like he let people down last year he wasn't able to do uh, what he wanted to do and quite frankly he just opened up about the extent of this injury that he was dealing with with the neck, with the the vertebrae issues that he had. Let's talk about tingling in his hands. Talk about every time there was contact, it was pretty serious pain that he was dealing with. Um, this is something we've spoken about a lot. Uh, but and and to be fair, I think that when a lot of the criticism has come for George Hill, there's been a fair amount of it put on why the hell was he allowed to play right. as well? And when you do hear some of these conversations, you're like, yeah, this doesn't sound like a guy that should have been playing playoff basketball. Yeah, um, there it was really a, a memorable media day with a lot of those quotes. Obviously, we talked about with Giannis, um, the, the Drew Holiday calling Joe Ingles an a-hole, and Joe <laughs> not sure if that was uh, a compliment or an insult. Uh, but Bobby Portis had some good ones as well. But George Hill, to me, that was my biggest takeaway, was uh, George Hill and, and Grayson Allen were the whipping boys for – the last four months from this team and them falling short in the playoffs. Um, You know, for George, we obviously know it's not what fans hope to see. And and he was the first to say like, that's, that's not the guy that I am. I was very surprised to hear him say he pondered retirement in the off season that he thought, yeah, maybe I should retire. Obviously the health probably played a large role in that. He said he ultimately, uh, decided not to just because he, he didn't want that to be his final season to go out like that. But to, to hear him kind of lay out the injuries and how it was just one after another. And he, uh, he said the abdomen issue, which was kind of big early in the season, as soon as he felt like he turned the corner and was either fully recovered or getting there from that is when that neck issue popped up. And that was around Christmas, he said, and, you, know, you mentioned um, everything he was feeling. He was tingling in his fingers, and at times he was losing feeling there. It was tough getting through screens that he would kind of get a stinger, or even if he raised his hands fast, things like that would happen. So, yeah, you do kind of question, well, why is he playing? I'm sure the player is also not 100% forthright on that, that you want to yeah. be out there and playing. So that's that's a part of it. 
Um, but you know, you listen to George Hill and he, he just seemed like it was somebody that was so disappointed in how things went, obviously his performance, but everything that just kind of piled up for him that he had this motivation to not let his career end like that and to be a different guy. And he said numerous times throughout the 10 or so minutes that he talked, I owe Milwaukee better. I owe the city a better performance than what I gave them last year because of these injuries and everything that I was dealing with. And, you know, I was really struck by, in spite of everything you've seen for the last beyond four months was negative for George Hill, especially if you're looking only at social media, that it was trade him. We don't cut him and he shouldn't be here. And for him to say, well, I owe the city better than this. I wanted to come back here and I wanted to redeem myself and, and saying, look, Milwaukee's a place that really embraced me. I really, really like it here. It's a great fit. That's another reason why I really, really wanted to come back and show that the guy I was in 2022, 2021, that's not who I am. There are reasons why that's how I played. So I want another crack at this. I was really struck by that. And it, it, it was very disappointing to see where that was headed. And, you know, to just mention, here comes George Hill and George Hill is going to speak now. And all the comments are why he shouldn't be on the team that, you know, when, when you see things like that and you hear George Hill talk, it just made it even more disappointing. So I know it's tough to win people back over and we're results oriented, but you know, George Hill was a guy that I, I really wasn't sure what to expect or what his role would be uh, after he came back. And after hearing all that, I, I wouldn't say it's, well, I, I'm fully a believer that it's going to be the George Hill redemption tour, but it, it does at least make you want the guy to get a chance and to see, okay, let's see if he's fully healthy, how this looks differently this year. All right. We, we'll, we were going to get to Jordan Moore and, and just so everyone knows we are fully aware. So he's, on the verge of, or he's about to sign. And John Horse pointed to this. They were close to the contract situation. Woj tweeted out that it was a two-year, $6.2 million deal. No real further details as we're recording this podcast right now. So we'll see what that means in terms of the second year uh, and all those types of things. We had a big pod last week, you know, wondering, you know, is it looking good? That 1st of October date for the qualifying offer was obviously coming up pretty quickly. So yeah, we'll see what this means. At this, at this point, it certainly looks like this is a 15th roster spot. Um, yeah, what does that look like moving forward? We'll discuss that more in the coming days. Uh, interesting when you talk about, you know, players that even though no turnover was kind of the theme of the day, uh, yeah, one guy that Bud really did point to was the fact that Javon Carter is going to be there for the entire season, which is interesting. I think Frank pointed out last week that if... Uh, people listen to Zach Lowe's podcast. I believe it was with Chris Herring. He was really high on Javon Carter as well. I know a lot of our listeners are really high on Javon Carter uh, also. So, I mean, just little comments like that. The fact that the coach goes out of his way to mention, you know, a guy like Javon Carter who was, you know, was with the roster for the back end of the season, but puts him with Joe Ingles and also Marjan Beauchamp as potential additions to the roster is noteworthy. And this all does tie into the George Hill conversation. You're not going to get prime George Hill, but if you get a productive George Hill and you also have Javon Carter in there, I mean, let's be honest, even if George Hill's healthy, Justin, he's not playing 82 games. Hopefully. Yeah. And you know, the other thing we, we talked about in that same pod too was, you know, the other thing is now 
it's even more astounding hearing everything that George Hill was going through. He said it was a T6 and T7 issue in his spine that uh, he was dealing with. And um, you had nobody prior to picking up Javon Carter at, at the trade deadline right around then. You had nobody else other than George Hill to rely on. I mean, think about Lindell Wigginton and Justin Robinson that were playing early in the season. That's Javon Carter now. So it, it really gives you the opportunity to say, hey, George, you're not going to play back-to-backs or we're going to ease you into the mix or you're going to play one out of every three games. So we have you fresh and ready to go for the playoffs you have the luxury to do something like that, not only with George, uh, but a lot of this roster for that matter. And, you know, I think we all think the Bucs are one of the two or three best teams in the Eastern Conference and certainly a title contender. But that same pod you referenced with Zach Lowe and, and Chris Herring, hearing them talk about the Bucs made you kind of reevaluate of, huh, all right, I guess we're not being too high. If a lot of people feel this way and, and just that too, that the depth that this team has, I know a few people kicked it around, but is this the deepest team? Assuming guys play to their capabilities, deepest team they've had since Bud has been here. When you think about the backcourt that we just talked about, where you got Javon for the full year, hopefully it's a healthy version of George. You got Marjan Bochamp to throw in there on the wing. You got Wesley Matthews for the full year. Now you've got a front court, which you did not have last year. Serge Ibaka is back there. And he talked about, uh, the respect that this organization showed him, which there was a lot of questions over how was Serge fitting in at the time that he was picked up. He kind of addressed that and said, it was an adjustment for me to be used to playing, but to realize here's where this team is headed and here's their goals. I wasn't here at the start of the year. So I got to learn a lot of things that that was one of the reasons I wanted to come back. I respected how they treated me and I wanted to be here for a full season. So I could kind of, you know, hit the ground running that, it's a very deep team, which is much, much different from where we were in the first two to three weeks of the season last year. Yeah, it's interesting. We've looked at potentially the guard spots as an area where if you were going to make an upgrade, potentially it could be at the guard spot. But if you have a healthy George Hill and you have a healthy Javon Carter, maybe you don't need it. So this is what we're going to be watching as the season gets going. Uh, speaking of the depth, I don't know what that does for fantasy basketball, uh, but we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. Uh, but now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. Uh, that's not a lie. I've seen the numbers, and uh, I'll tell you what, he's running an impressive show over there. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We probably could have kept on going for about an hour here on Media Day, but the good news is we've got four more podcasts to go this week. So tomorrow, certainly get into Jordan Warrior a little bit more uh, and a bunch more, perhaps some Drew Holiday content, Chris Milton, a little bit more of what he had to say. So uh, there's plenty to discuss, but that's what we love. And like I said, it feels like the NBA season has started now with Media Day. Uh, I'm glad you were there. I wasn't able to be there. Maybe next year, Justin, who knows? Maybe uh, hopefully. I mean, it, that was the first thing that Joe Engels pointed out. One of the reasons why he liked it here so much as well was there's a lot of Australians around the team and on the staff as well. So I feel like I'm right at home here. Um, so yeah, Joe Engels was, was one of the stars of media to, day today, just the way that he handled media. And uh, for all the, the basketball related things that we mentioned, I think the biggest quote of the day obviously came from Bobby Portis when he said, I don't know how it took him so long to learn this, but the thing he really learned was Milwaukee loves beer, really, really loves beer, which uh, got quite a few chuckles from the entire room. 
I reckon winning the title and the celebrations after that would have uh, gave him a fair indication of how much people in Milwaukee like beer. But uh, that's another reason why I've got to get back, sample some of the local drops, you know. So uh, who knows? Sometime this season, I'll make my way back over. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I'll see if I can drag Frank on the podcast. But if not, uh, we will have a podcast for you. There's no doubt about that. As I said, plenty still to talk about from Media Day. We appreciate you watching. Subscribe if you haven't already on audio or YouTube. Catch you guys next